please do be seated as we come to open the word together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God who communicates to his people. You are a God who does not stay silent and does not hide in the mystery. But you have given us full access to who you are. May we open our hearts this morning to exactly who you are. Looking at ourselves and moving upward in faith. In Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. In 1882, ten people from Holy Trinity on the Broadway gathered to pray. They wanted to be a blessing as missionaries to this area of Wimbledon, the new housing popping up here all through these terrace streets. They wanted a place of worship. You see, Holy Trinity on the Broadway was a plant from St. Mary's in the village. When the railway came in, they said, well, we need churches down there. So they planted St. Mark's and they planted Holy Trinity. But Holy Trinity saw that there was a further need. So 10 people gathered together and started to pray. They rented a loft above a stables on the Kingston Road. Gathering there, probably surrounded by hay, they said, this is a good enough place for us to pray. They were there with nothing. Nothing other than their knowledge that God wants to take the message of salvation out to everyone. They were faithful. It took a year for them to convince their vicar it was needed. And so their vicar then contacted the diocese, and the diocese bought this bit of land that you're currently sitting on. They backed it. See, back then the Church of England was up for planting. Now it's just starting again. We've had a hundred years of, of no planting. And we've seen that the church is in decline because we failed to be on the forefront of mission. Praise God the church is, is getting its act together now. But you see, back then they bought this land and they just had a field. A field and a square cutting down to Hartfield Road with a front-facing Herbert Road. And they said, what should we do? So they, they got together some money, they stuck up a tin shack, and they nicknamed it the Little Mission Station. Just where the hall is, there was a tin shack, and they gathered there. Every Sunday they gathered together. A curate from Holy Trinity came, and they had matins, morning prayer, and they had evensong, evening prayer. Occasionally they would have a communion service around once a month. The vicar would come over, they'd do communion, but they'd carry on praying there. It was their new hub of mission. The first incumbent was a guy called Reverend Charles Baker, and he was, the, he was the incumbent of Holy Trinity, popping over here just so he could keep a hand on the little mission station as they looked out to the Dundonald area. Prayerful people, praying for miracles, diocese backs them, buy some land, a little tin hut, it'll do. Because the mission of God is not about buildings. They prayed, they worshipped, they served their community, they followed the way of missionaries across the world, but they did it on their doorstep, leaving their comfortable Holy Trinity, it's quite a nice building by the way if you haven't been there, with their nice vicar at the front and their beautiful choir and their acolytes and their candles, and they left it to go to the forefront of mission where we are. 
formal worship became casual worship. At 3.30 on a Sunday, and when they started matins and even song, they had a children's hour where they would just sing children's songs and teach them the Bible for the local children in the area. It was new. It was exciting. It was fresh. It was God. Now, please note, God didn't leave Holy Trinity. Holy Trinity still stayed and continued to be a great church in the area. But people were on the forefront, and those 10 grew to a, about 26 people. Their first service in that tin shack gathered around 50, and then it dropped down to 26 people. Some people here at St. Andrews really understand that number. 26 people gathering for worship. Now, those faithful forefathers of ours, they carried on. And it took them, well, it took them 24 years to build the building you're now sitting in. 24 years of hard work in a tin shack, singing hymns and children's songs, teaching people the Bible and telling them the gospel. 24 years, you would have seen some of them die, some of them born, gathering together as generations go, 24 years on the forefront to enable a congregation big enough to put its hand in its pocket and say, we will build a building for this area. 24 years. And they built this building large enough to house them, a modern building, hashtag no pews, praise God. The reality is they built this building so it could be a community place. Formal worship began. They got a vicar. They had enough money to do that and the little mission station became the big mission station. I think one of the worst decisions they made is probably to change its name, to become St. Andrew's Church. I like the name. But I would never want to drop that word mission from this church name. St. Andrew's Mission Church. And so they built this building. They also bought at the same time, just for information, some buildings opposite Dundonald School. On the end of Cotrain Road there's a, and Dundonald Road, there's a little building there that I think is now a nursery at the bottom and some flats at the top. That used to be St. Andrew's mission buildings. When they built this place, they said, we're not going to stop being missional. We're going into the center of the community, opposite the school, and that's where they served from with evangelism. They thought it through. The temple in this part of Wimbledon was built, but not in 1909, the date we're celebrating. This is not the temple, key to note. Remember our Old Testament reading? The temple was built well before this red brick building. The temple was built when 10 people gathered to pray. Ephesians 2, our reading for today, one that wasn't read, but I'm going to read it for you. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but your fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on a foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in which the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple. A temple in the Lord. In him, Paul writes to this church, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. 
the temple was built with 10 people praying because that is the dwelling place of God. Our Old Testament reading is talking about David longing for this temple that his son's going to build. Solomon built this temple for God's presence to dwell within. Now we assume it's a place of worship for people, this Old Testament temple. We assume it was like their church building. It was like a religious building all over the world, but it wasn't. People didn't gather there to simply worship together. It wasn't just a meeting house. It was where God was dwelling. God came and was living in that temple. In the heart of it, there was this tabernacle, God's house, with a big curtain in front of it that you couldn't rip because it was about a foot thick. No one was allowed inside that center where the Holy of Holies was, just in case they saw God face to face and died with the majesty, except once a year, where the high priest, the chosen one, could go in, but they tied a rope around his his waist just in case he died because no one else could go in because he was there to sprinkle it with the blood of the lamb you see they built a temple but not for worship they built a temple for God to dwell in and so they worshipped there they were there to get as close as they could to God himself now you may recall Jesus in our, in our gospel reading going into the temple there and saying, don't make this place a den of robbers. Don't make this place a marketplace. He got a whip and started smacking the floor, loud noises, turning tables. Why? Because he wasn't cross that they were making money out of tea and coffee in church. He was cross because they'd started to make the dwelling place of God about something else, about money. They'd started making it about profit. They started making it about anything other than the presence of God in the center. You see, you may remember that Christ Jesus himself died on a cross. It's a story we tell every week. It's a story you may well know. He died on a cross, and praise God, miracles happened. He rose again from the grave. He rose again, and at that moment of his dying on the cross, before new life broke in, that curtain was torn in two. The curtain was ripped, not by man, but by God, as Jesus died. Why? Well, many will tell you it's because when Jesus died, we were allowed into the presence of God. I want to refute that. I think this curtain was torn in two in the middle of that temple because at that moment of Jesus dying, the Holy Spirit was out. His temple was no longer in a building. His temple was to be in the hearts of his followers. The ten praying. The Holy Spirit moving out in power to dwell in the followers of Jesus. And we see Jesus rose again. And in his rising... We see his followers filled with the Spirit. We see it at Pentecost and Acts going through, knowing that they're about planting churches, spreading the gospel, giving the word of God out, that God has communicated through the word himself, Jesus Christ. And their words as prophets were there to tell the world. 3,000 were converted in that first day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. And many, many more thousand ever since 
that temple of the people of God has been wandering this earth. And if you're a Christian here today, that's why you're a Christian, because the Holy Spirit's been empowering the church as his temple to tell you. If you haven't been told, if you're not a Christian, if you're just here because you like the building, listen carefully. The temple is in your heart if you accept it. The presence of God dwells with man. Come, Jesus says. Don't go to a building and think you're religious. Come, Jesus says. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you strength. Don't come and light a candle and think that's going to help. Come. But don't get me wrong. I love this building. And I'm probably the newest one here. I love this building. I spent time with this building over the last 14 months I've been here aiming to enable it to become once again a place that's versatile and a tool for the community. A tool for the community in an act of work for the gospel. I've seen this building, I've heard this building, I've touched this building, I've cleaned this building, I've scrubbed this building, I've polished this building adding to the work of those who have loved it for generations before me. It's not just me alone. I know many of you in this place have helped and have driven it and have asked for it. It's not why I'm here. It's not why you're here. This building is not here just so we can love it. Every time I see it here and touch it, I'm moved to thank God for this tool giving us so much that we can pray into so much for mission in this area we don't have a tin shack ladies and gentlemen we have a beautiful architectural building that points to the glory of God it helps us it's a beautiful tool we're to love it and to use it well the leaders of the father's houses made their free will offering our passage in the Old Testament says, 1 Chronicles, as did the leaders of the tribes, the commanders of thousands and hundreds, the officers over the king's work, they gave to the service of the house of God 5,000 talents, 10,000 darics of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, 100,000 talents of iron. They gave to build the temple as a free will offering, a decision to give to the house of God. Yes, they were building a physical house then, but our hearts here, yes, we give to church, not so that we can have the floor varnished, but so that the temple is built, the people are gathered, lives are saved and transformed with the gospel. That's why we give to church. Many of us give financially here, and this isn't a call for money, trust me, but I am genuinely willing to ask that you do give to the work here to build up the temple of God. We pile lots of money into this building as a tool so that we can tell people about Jesus, so that we can tell people about the love of God, so that we can be gospel here. You no longer need to go to the temple. You no longer need to stand as close as you can to the center where God is because he's lavishing his love 
he's able to, because of his resurrection, to all those who want him. And therefore, we need you. We need you. If you're a follower of Jesus, we need you. We need you to give financially, yes, as free will offerings to build the temple. Imagine the sacrifices of those families. 10,000 darics of gold. If you want to give me a darik of gold, please do. But it's sacrificial, friends. We give freely of our money and our time to not to keep a church from falling down, but to build a temple up. We give of our time, we give of our talents as followers and learners of Jesus, adding to the spirit-filled temple going out with the gospel. That's what we do here. It's very basic. It's very simple. Free will offerings of people coming to worship. The same as the tin shack next door, the little mission station. We gather here, 26, 46, 106, however many people God calls. And what do we do here? Okay, so we give of our time, we give of our money, we give of our lives, but David knew God. If you're following verse 11 of this 1 Chronicles passage, God is called things by David. He says, God, you are great. God, you are powerful. You're glorious. You're victorious. You're majestic. David tells God what he is. And you'll notice in our songs and our hymns today, we tell God who he is, what he is. He's communicated to us and he's asked us to communicate to him in worship. Worship, the old English, giving him his worth. God, you are great and powerful and glorious and victorious and majestic. But that's what everybody called King David as well. You see, David was telling God what, how good he was. But he was also giving God the attributes that people called him. The greatest king to ever serve Israel. You are great, powerful, glorious, victorious, majestic. And David says, it's not me. It is God. Further to these attributes, he hands his own greatness to him. Chosen by God to lead, yours, O Lord. He knows the position under God, his position, that God, he knows, is a personal God, a God who loves him and he loves, even though he's the worst of sinners at times. This is the heart we need as church. This is the heart of the little mission station. This is the heart of St. Andrew's church. We don't boast in our own greatness or hold on to what we love ourselves. There's much that we love. I love these stones, I love these bricks, but that's not what I'm here to boast in. Our response to God, because we know him, is just like David's. He's glorious, he's beautiful, he's wealthy, he's the head of the kingdom, he's powerful, he's mighty, and we give that back to God. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord. You are exalted as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand is the great. You make the great, and you give the strength. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. It's what we do. 
And if you don't want to be part of that, you're welcome not to be. The difference between a church of England and a cult is that there is a back door. That's what the archdeacon told me. Because we have a mission here, friends. And we want to invite everyone along. We want to take everyone with us. But we have a mission. 110 years of a building in this place. 140 odd years of a temple in this place. Let's carry on. Let's go on to the next 110. Let's take along so many more with us. And it will be a hard journey. Don't get me wrong. But we're strangers and sojourners, verse 15 says. Our days on the earth are like a shadow and there's no abiding. You were born, you will live and you will die. We're literally aliens here. Strangers, shadows, temporary. And who knows who those 10 people were praying and we don't want people to know who we were in 110 years time either. But what we do know is that they were shadows. They were light-filled shadows, strangers in this world, looking to tell the world that God's temple is now with man. That's our mission. That's who we're to be. Let's pray. We are lost in this world, searching for something of our hearts, our days on the earth are like a shadow and there's no abiding. Father, we thank you that we have found you. We found Jesus as our king, our friend. May we accept that this isn't just quaint old England. This isn't just Western ideas of religion over others. This isn't just personal spiritual zen that the quietness of this building gives us. But this is about a relationship with the loving God. You've revealed yourself to us and you call us home. We will be home to you as a friend, home to you as a father, home to an identity that fits us, home to a community that understands us, home to children of all ages who are lost in their sin in this world, home to the strangers and sojourners, the home of God. May you grow in us a passion passion for the ten willing to leave their church to do something new.